You're listening to Beyond the Plate with Andrew Kaplan. This sounds so weird. You're listening to Beyond the Plate with Cappy. When the hurricanes happened in Houston and in Florida not long ago, I walked into Dad's office and I said, Dad, you know, can we do something? Without missing a beat, my dad said, let's send him some bread. Hey everyone, this is Cappy and you're listening to Beyond the Plate, a podcast where I sit down in person with the world's culinary elite to explore their journey into the industry and the social impact they have made in their community. Every episode, we share inspiring stories of what it means to be in today's hospitality industry. You can find me and keep up to date with this podcast across all social media platforms at On Cappy's Plate or go to beyondtheplatepodcast.com. We are on Twitter and Facebook at BT Plate Podcast. All right, here's what's going down this week. It's another fifth Wednesday episode. Consider this a bonus episode, if you will. We started Beyond the Plate because we know there's more to a chef or a company in this case than the food you eat in the restaurant. What you may not know is that in addition to creating delicious meals, chefs and companies, such as the one we're talking with today, are prioritizing social impact and each does it in their own way. Now, what gets me most excited about being part of the food industry in general are the people that make it up. They're some of the most generous and thoughtful, compassionate people, and here's why. If you listen to this podcast you heard in season one from people like Rachel Ray and Andrew Zimmern, Rocco Desperado, Alice Waters, Eric Repair, Gail Simmons, Jose Andres, I could go on and on and on about the good they do in their community and beyond. And in season two, this season that we're currently in, we heard from people like Giada De Laurentiis and Robert Irvine and Guy Fieri and on and on and on. But it's because of these people's successes that they've been able to share the stories on the projects that they care about. And there's also plenty of organizations and brands who do their part. And one happens to be our presenting sponsor for season two of Beyond the Plate. It's Martin's Famous Potato Rolls. Now, we made a commitment to ourselves, the Beyond the Plate team, that if we partnered with a brand to sponsor, we want them to have, at the very least, a strong mission or to have made a strong social impact in their community. So here's the plan. As you know, we release our episodes every Wednesday, and we've only had a couple months that have a fifth Wednesday in the month, and this happens to be one of them. If you've listened to the podcast this season, you've heard me talk about Martin's famous potato rolls plenty. I love them. For this episode, we caught up with Julie Martin of Martin's Famous Pastry Shop fame and social media manager for Martin's Famous Potato Rolls. We get to hear some fascinating history about this family-owned and run bakery, about their loyal following, how they have grown, and along with that, what's next for them and how they innovate, and of course, how they give back to their community and beyond. Trust me, please listen to this episode in its entirety because this family's commitment and dedication to their staff in the community is incredibly generous. Blew me away. I'm going to stop here, but please enjoy this conversation as we go beyond the plate for this fifth Wednesday with Julie Martin of Martin's Famous Potato Rolls. Just kicking it off here with the first question, I want to dive into the history of Martin's, which I've touched upon briefly in some of the, you know, ad reads that we've done on the episodes, but you you all literally took this company that was started in a garage to a full-fledged factory and shipping nationwide or worldwide. So explain how that came to be. My grandma and grandpa started making Martin's potato rolls and a host of other products 
in their garage in 1955. And it was literally like a one car garage. It was really small. And they would, you know, bake all week long and then they would go to farmers markets on the weekends. And as they, they you know, their products grew in popularity and, and uh, you know, people started telling their friends about them. They were able to expand into a couple different uh, farmers markets. And then eventually they got kind of a brick and mortar location that they had a bakery in the back and then sort of a, a restaurant in the front because, you know, if you're making donuts and, and then also, you know, buns and things, you know, the next thing people want, they want to have coffee with their donut or they want to have a burger and their sandwich. So, you know, it kind of made sense to start a little restaurant and have a bakery in the back. And then as that expanded, started realizing what we did best was the, the bread and the rolls, especially the potato bread and the potato rolls. And we closed the restaurant in 1987 and ever since then, we've been just focusing on our bread products and what we do best. And yeah, we have, as you said, you know, expanded to, we now have two bakeries, one in Pennsylvania and one in Georgia. And we're fresh in stores on the East Coast from Maine to South Florida, and then out as far as Chicago. And then we, for food service, we go worldwide. So we're in 20 some different countries around the world now. So a lot of expansion. That's amazing. What year did they start selling at farmer's markets? They started in 1955. Do you all ever get the itch to open a little restaurant or cafe or, or no more? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, of course, my parents and my siblings and I remember uh, the restaurant. And we, uh, we do kind of get nostalgic for it. And we all talk about, oh, you know, little part of our bakery complex. We should open a, a snack bar or a little burger concept or something using our rolls. And then we all look at each other and say, yeah, who wants to manage it? <laughs> and then <laughs> it kind of dies there. But, you know, never know. Maybe someday. Was like a potato roll or potato bread always one of the initial products? Yeah. Yeah, it was. They The very first product they started making was a clover leaf potato roll. It's kind of like a dinner roll, you know, with sort of three parts. Hmm. Uh, it, was, it was really popular in the 50s, especially. And um, that shape. Now, the potato roll, the potato roll part of it was from uh, my great grandparents and sort of some great aunts and uh, you know, various changes to the recipe kind of thing. But like, for example, they used to make the potato rolls were white. And my grandparents figured out that at farmer's markets, if they would sell a white potato roll versus a yellow potato roll, the yellow one would outsell the white one two to one. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So I guess it's that, that we see it, we think, you know, automatically think, you know, kind of buttery. And so yeah, early on, they started, you know, innovating and figuring out, you know, what people wanted to buy and, and then, uh, you know, making it the best they could. What makes the color yellow, if you can share this secret? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, this one I can share. Back then they just, you know, used food coloring. And then, you know, as we, uh, you know, have, have, we always continue to try to make the, the tastiest, but also the most, most healthful product we can. And so, you know, a few years ago, they came out with some studies that, you know, food coloring is something you should cut back on or, or not have. And so now, actually, our products are all colored with turmeric and anato, which huh. are two spices, you know, food substances that have been used, uh, plant-based, that have been used for hundreds of years. And now they're still that same signature color, but now they don't have any artificial colors or any no artificial sweeteners either. Interesting. So let's set the record straight for some people. What yep. is a potato roll versus just a standard regular bread roll? Yeah, uh, actually kind of has a, an interesting background. 
you know, a lot of different, if you do some research into potato rolls, everybody wants to claim that they were sort of the first country or first area of, of the world to make them. But it actually came about because sometimes wheat prices are fairly expensive depending on the crops. And so people were looking for ways of stretching that, stretching the wheat. And so potatoes usually are, seem like they're cheap whenever wheat is expensive. So they would make like mashed potatoes and mix it in with the dough to make the wheat stretch. But what they found out and what my grandparents perfected was the fact that when you add potato to the flour, it actually makes the finished product stay moist, stay soft. It adds some trace minerals and some natural sweetness so you don't have to add a, a bunch of extra sugar. In what form is that added? Well, my grandma and grandpa, when they first started, they, they actually literally would make mashed potatoes. Really? And, yeah, and, and fold them into the dough. But we, as we've you know, gotten more and more mechanized, we have discovered that if we get them in, we get it in the, uh, it's a dehydrated potato form. It's called potato flour, but it's, it's dehydrated potatoes. And then we rehydrate. We use, I mean, our top three ingredients are high-protein wheat flour, milk, and potatoes. Hmm. And so we have found that you can actually mix it up with the other dry ingredients and then kind of rehydrate kind of all together. So it saves us a step from having to, like, we don't any longer get in, you know, potatoes and have to peel them and, you know, inspect all the potatoes and that, that kind of thing. We, we leave that to the potato professionals. And um, now we, uh, we just, we get them in a dehydrated form. Yep. That's so interesting. Okay, that was so many question ones, but I couldn't help myself. <laughs> yeah. Question two, if not already, I'd say you, you all are well on your way to becoming a household name because you all have somewhat of a cult following, me being one of those cult followers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> was, there a, <laughs> was there a moment you all realized that you had made it? You know, I, I talk to chefs and I say, is there a moment you realize you made it as a chef, whether it was a review or someone coming to eat at their restaurant or a dish being written about? So for you all as a bakery and starting as a garage and going to farmer's markets and having a little cafe, what, I mean, was it was it when you realized you needed to build a, a mechanized system or when you opened your second bakery or is there a certain moment? You know, it's it's funny. I think that there are lots of small moments. Like you said, you, you named you know several where we had to expand from the garage into the restaurant when we went from a restaurant into a commercial bakery. But I think I think one of the really coolest moments uh, where we kind of as a family were like, that's cool was my grandma, who has passed away about five years ago now, but before she passed away, I was chatting with her, and I showed her a picture of Michelle Obama eating a Shake Shack burger, which, of course, is on a Martin's potato roll. And I said, Grandma, did you ever think that the first lady of the United States would be eating your bun? And, you know, Grandma just chuckled and shook her head, and she was like, we were just trying to feed our family. You know, and to see that, that was a moment where we went, wow, you know, something really great has happened here. That's incredible. That's a great segue to to my next question, question three, in, in growth for the company. So, I, I mean, I've reached out. We've known each other for, for quite some time because you all have been involved in some of the burger bashes at the Wine and Food Festivals in Miami and New York. And I reached out to you when we were doing an event in Austin during South by Southwest. And I think this was before you all had really nailed down your shipping protocol and procedures. And again, various food festivals, but 
But then, as you just mentioned, Shake Shack starts using them, which is now this, you know, t- tons of locations across, was it over 100 locations, well over 100 locations across the world. Do you recall or can you tell us about that first phone call from Shake Shack? Yeah, so it's interesting. You know, we were, we get lots of inquiries by, you know, there start, you know, of course he started out, Danny Meyer started at Shake Shack with a hot dog cart. You know, we have a lot of small, you know, mom and pop shops, a lot of, you know, one-time startups kind of thing. And you never know when you first get, you know, started with somebody if they're going to be the next big thing. So we always try to treat everybody as if they're important. So, you know, when they started using it, we were excited. And they started expanding. We're like, wow, this is, this is great. It's interesting. We were actually the number one selling burger bun in America before Shake Shack started using us. Really? But, it, but that was kind of pre-social media. Yeah. You know, and so people were buying us without necessarily knowing our name. They more knew the look, they knew the packaging, that kind of thing. And then, um, you know, with Shake Shack's popularity, with them uh, opening, openly using and, you know, admitting that that's our, were their role, um, as well as, you know, lots of other food service uh, chains and, and local popular restaurants using it, that's really, you know, becoming a larger and larger, larger part of what we do. But, um, you know, our, our, the largest part of our business is still retail. It's still those customers in the grocery store. But uh, we have definitely seen a larger uh, increase internationally, in large part due to Shake Shack and people like that taking their restaurants overseas and then, of course, taking us with them, which is great. It's so interesting because, you know, I know you're big in retail. I see you on shelves and I, you know, see different high-end restaurants that have a burger on their menu using you as, and then like you said, chains, but you have this product that I'm so drawn to, I'm digressing, that I'm so drawn to that if you were like, hey, Cappy, so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so uses our buns too, I'd probably like be at those places in the near future because I knew they were on your bun. Like that's, yeah. I think that's like a neat loyalist following <laughs> yeah. um, that you have. Yeah, pe- um, people are starting to do that. Their, their uh, restaurants are, well, they go back and forth between some of them wanting to put our logo out there so that people know they're using a good quality product. And, and you have that versus, but then you have a few places, like there was a, a restaurant in another country who was importing our rolls and, uh, I actually saw he was keeping it under wraps because he didn't want anyone else in that country to import our rolls because he was he was like it's the secret it's it's my it's my trade secret. He would even go so far as to take our buns out of the packaging when it would arrive and not even let his employees see the packaging. That's like KFC, you know, secret spice blend for their uh, <laughs> yeah. dredging almost. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it is interesting because you have both you have both opposite ends of the spectrum. You have some people proudly touting that they, you know, use our roles, knowing that it will be a drawing point. And you have other people saying, oh, no, it's my trade secret. I don't want people to know that these aren't something I whipped up in the back. How many different countries are you all shipping to? Um, it varies and we don't always know because we use uh, uh, some distributors, but um, it's it. somewhere around 25. Give us some fun facts or figures that listeners would love to hear if you can in terms of like Shake Shack. I know you're shipping to some other countries for them or, or just in general, if you don't want to pinpoint yeah. to one brand. Yeah, we, yeah, I think it's so fun that we are in such diverse places around the world. You know, you think, 
um, you know, you think there are regional specialties, but, you know, there's a, we're shipping to Moscow, Russia, and we're shipping to Saudi Arabia and London, England and Australia and, you know, Canada. And, you know, just this past week at the National Restaurant Association show, we had a ton of people from Colombia and Brazil coming up and asking how they can get our products. And so that is, I think, really, really cool, especially since uh, kind of fun fact, like you mentioned, um, when my grandparents started making rolls, it would take you know, about two hours to make two dozen rolls. And these days we make, you know, somewhere around 350 rolls a minute. So, you know, it, it, it has expanded, you know, in a, a large way, both here in this country and then around the, around the world. And in fact, you know, I, I handle our social media and every week we get requests from new countries. Like last week it was Norway and Spain and somewhere else where they were requesting our rolls. And uh, so it's really, it's really interesting to see. And then, of course, I ask, you know, how in the world did you hear about us in Norway? <laughs> you know? <laughs> how incredible. And, uh, that's, that's such a neat thing. You must sit back and realize the family started run business. Do you guys still think of yourself as this like small family run bakery? We do. And really compared to, you know, the competitors, we're still so small. You know, we're, they're 10 times bigger than we are. And so we kind of feel like it's a David and Goliath story where, you know, we are so much smaller. And yet the customers, the loyalty that we have that we have among our customers has made us number one. And it's just it's a phenomenal. We feel so blessed and honored. Um, you know, we get messages all the time. Just these people who, you know, say when they have our roles, it reminds them of grandma's house or they just they feel good about eating them and serving them to their kids. And they think about fun family times and cookouts. And that's so great that, that our family is a part of helping other families, you know, celebrate good times together. It's just special, you know? Yeah, for sure. So into question four, you've, I want to talk about what's next for Martin's Famous Potato Rolls. And we, we, you mentioned innovation a few minutes back. I feel like you all have had a lot of innovation, but how do you innovate or evolve or, or even do you need to or stay relevant or do you need to stay relevant? You can never, anything that's, you know, staying still as you, you always say, it's either, you're either growing or you're dying. And so we're, we're always looking to innovate and in so many ways, you know, both in process and in product. So as, as we innovate in process, we go to international baking shows and and uh, equipment and go see equipment manufacturers and things like that to see if there's something we can do that will make us more efficient so that we can keep our prices you know at a, at a reasonable place and also pay our employees well and so you know that so our process we're always examining examining our process as well as our product you know I, I mentioned about the difference in you know changing from food coloring to a natural uh, way of of coloring, you know, keeping our roles looking the same. And, you know, we're always looking at, you know, scientific studies and ingredients and, and uh, you know, what would make our roles most, most healthful and, and, and most nourishing. And, and as well as, you know, uh, making changes, you know, if the customers want something different. So, um, you know, we're, we're a non-GMO product now. All of our products are non-GMO because that was a, that was a customer, that was something that actually, uh, we needed to do to go into Turkey. Um, and then we thought, well, you know, let's just go ahead and do that across the board. 
Yeah. You know, and, and as we get requests from different restaurants, like for example, we went to a restaurant show in Texas and we had just come out with our four inch sized sandwich potato roll. And we, that was the biggest we made at the time. And they, uh, as restaurants would come up and talk to us, they would say, um, yeah, we serve our kids burger on a four inch. Um, and they, they wanted a five inch. So, you know, we, we now serve a five inch for, uh, have that available for restaurants. So, you know, as, as people come to us with requests and with, um, as we see, you know, potential changes, we always try to, uh, you know, stay on that cutting edge of what is the best ingredients, what, you know, what's the best thing we can use. It's going to make it taste good and something we want to serve to our own kids, you know? So, you know, that being said, we are also, um, yeah, we also try out different new things. You know, my brother is our uh, VP of bakery operations and he also is a master baker. So he's always really? trying. Yeah. He's always trying new things. Like the How do I ring. get on his list? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> when he invites us to try something new, we all line up because he, he's always trying new things. And uh, like, for example, the cinnamon raisin swirl bread that we came out with just a couple years ago, he worked on that for several years, you know, different kinds of cinnamon, different kinds of raisins, more swirl, less swirl. And, uh, you know, we, don't, we try not to come out with a product until we're sure it's better than anything else that's out there. So um, you may see some new things from us in the future. The, the butter bread, I don't know if you've tried that yet, but our, our real butter bread was something we came out with. Um, we've had requests for years for a white bread. But we, you know, tout the healthiness of our other breads and thought, well, why would we come out with a white bread? Well, we, you know, tried to figure out what, what we could do to give people that nostalgic white bread taste, but also have it be healthier than normal white bread. So uh, we so we used basically a very similar dough to our hoagie roll. And so we use a high protein wheat flour and we still use real milk in there and actually just switched the oil to all butter, which our other products use sunflower oil and butter. And for the butter bread, to give it that extra kick of buttery taste, um, we actually used all butter. And that was actually the number one new, newly introduced product in the bakery industry last year. Really? Yeah. I feel like you all in Shake Shack are, are kind of cut from the same cloth when you talk about it took two years for your brother to develop the cinnamon raisin swirl bread because, mm-hmm. you know, we had Mark Rosati, the culinary director of Shake Shack on the podcast in episode five. And I know it took him at least a couple of years to develop their fried chicken sandwich. I tell you, it was worth it. Yeah, but it's, sure. it's it's interesting. You know, you talk about uh, going from yellow food coloring to things like turmeric or natto. And are these... These aren't overnight things. I know people look at these bigger companies and going from a four inch to a five inch roll for someone or changing the yellow or, you know, going non-GMO. These are things sometimes, like you say, people are working on for months or years. That must be a huge undertaking, no? Yeah, yeah, it really can be. It's not something you can turn around and change quickly. Like, you know, even changing the size of the rolls, we need to get new, new pants, you know, and that's, you know, that's a big expenditure. You get new pans. Or, for example, uh, we, we recently started um, offering a top slice hot dog roll for, say, lobster rolls, things like that, uh, for food service. And, you know, everything else we have is sliced sideways. So that's an equipment thing of, you know, can we turn the blades? You know, how do we, how do we make that work? And then, you know, and then, and then making sure that once you do make those changes that you've got a, a, a quality control so that it's, 
you know, doing what it's supposed to do and, and all that. So, yeah, there's always, like I said, that's why we really try to stay on the cutting edge of what's happening next so that we have a little bit of, you know, to make those adjustments, whether that's an ingredient adjustment or equipment or even staffing, you know, because as we add more robotics, we, we pri- we're thrilled to offer so many good American jobs. And so, you know, people worry about computers and robotics taking, you know, taking jobs away from, from humans. But, um, you know, we, we still need people in there to work those machines and all that. So a big, you know, just, well, I think one of the, my favorite things that we do is, is really just trying to offer good jobs for people to feed their families. And, um, you know, we have multiple generations of employees in their coworkers who work alongside us, who's, you know, some of them worked alongside my dad and now their kids work alongside of my siblings and I, and, you know, have next generation coming up and starting to work as they get out of high school and college. And I mean, any kind of change is going to be a, a process when you're a company our size, but yeah, we try to, like I said, stay on the cutting edge so that in the forefront, so we have so a little bit of time to figure things out as we ch- make changes. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. Going into question five here, we'll wind it down with social impact and giving back because as I'm sure you've heard in our ad reads, I, I like to focus on that for mm-hmm. partners of ours, sponsors of ours, and, and you all do that, I feel like, in a really big way. You know, you've touched on your staff and your employees, which is, uh, I I love that you did that because I think that's incredibly important for any business. But Mm -hmm. do you wake up in the morning thinking about making and selling roles or are you waking up thinking about how to make the world a better place? (laughs) Uh, You know, I think those two things are tied together in our case. I thought it was really cool. Let me start. I'll start with this. My grandma and grandpa started out the company right off the bat with an idea of giving back. And when I helped to go through my grandma's things when she passed away, in the basement we found all the financial ledgers from 1955 until they went onto the computer. And in going through those, I thought it was so interesting. The very first page in every financial ledger was charitable giving. And I thought, you know, that really started off started us off on the path towards, you know, yeah, we want to make the best product and we want to make some profit. But the reason we need to make profit is so we continue with those jobs and so we can continue to make the world around us a better place, not just in our company, not just in our working environment, but around us. And so, you know, my dad has continued that tradition. We give between 10 and 20 percent of our profits to charities, um, you know, all kinds of things from after school programs to helping single moms to uh, disaster relief uh, worldwide and domestically. And for example, my, my dad, so for, like when the hurricanes happened in Houston and, and then shortly after that in Florida, not long ago, I walked into my dad's office. I had just seen the news and saw all the people in Houston, you know, how many people were displaced. And I walked into dad's office and I said, dad, you know, can we do something? And without missing a beat, I just was, I'm so blessed by this. Without missing a beat, my dad said, let's send him some bread. And I said, you know, can we? We're not in that market. Can we send them bread? And he said, sure, why not? He said, let's send them, you know, a couple tractor and trailer loads full. So he, we did. We sent them two tractor and trailer loads full. It's like 50,000 loaves of bread. And just sent them there and were able to have them, you know, dispensed out to the shelters and the, the people who were displaced and it just, I thought, I thought, and th- this is why I want to work here. This is why I want to be part of this because that's the attitude. You know, if we can help, we will. You know, we want to. 
And so, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't, we're not in that market. We weren't, you know, necessarily trying to make customers. We were just trying to do something for, you know, our fellow, uh, our fellow humans, you know? And so, um, yeah, that, that is actually, that's why I came back to Martin's. My dad, my mom and dad actually encouraged us all. There's four of us kids in my generation and they encouraged us all to go work elsewhere. And then if we got excited about, you know, Martin's and had something to offer experience and, and all that, we could come back. And the reason I came back, uh, in large part was because of what we can do together, you know, so much more I can do with my family and with our company to help, uh, others. So yeah, we make, we try to make the best bread we can, but you know, we try to make it more than that. And we remind our employees all the time. It's not just about making bread. It's about creating these, um, family community experiences with our bread and because of our bread, you know, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's incredible. Makes mm-hmm. me love you all even more. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. All right. You're getting a bonus. Just because of that, you're getting a bonus question. Okay. Julie Martin is stranded on a deserted island. Which one Martin's product is she taking with her? Hmm. <laughs> um, boy, it depends on the day. But if I'm stranded in one day, I mean, I got to go with the sandwich roll because... Uh, I mean, I do everything with that product, and I, maybe it's because I grew up with it, but I know a lot of people use bread, and sometimes I do too, and I really love our new butter bread and our whole grain too, which is a lot of people haven't tried yet. But, you know, I feel like our, our sandwich roll, I've done everything with it from, you know, if I don't have a, if I want to, we're making hot dogs and I don't have a hot dog bun, we'll somehow, you know, cut the hot dog in half and put it in there. I'll do, we do, you know, peanut butter and honey. We do fluffer nutter sandwiches with it. You can even grill it. You can turn it inside out and do a grilled cheese. You can do like a mini panini on it. I just, I eat it plain, you know, just toasted with little butter or like cinnamon sugar. I feel like it's so versatile that, you know, if I had to, if I had to pick one, that would be hard though, because week to week I buy a different product. Um, cause I get excited about our hoagie rolls and then next week I'm excited about our party rolls cause they're so cute. <laughs> and, um, but if I, it, you know, if you were really nailing me down, I had to choose one, it, it would probably be the sandwich roll. <laughs> yeah, that is delicious. And what you, and you got, you all call it a sandwich roll, but that's what like Shake Shack puts their burgers on, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Correct. Okay. And it's, it's funny. We, we do call that the sandwich roll and we call our hot dog roll the long, our long roll. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, we don't want people just to think of it as a burger roll, although that's, you know, mostly what people think of it as. But, um, you know, we do every kind of sandwich on it. Sure. It just fits right in your hand. And with that hinge kind of keeps everything in the backside. It doesn't all fall out. And I just think it's perfect for sandwiches. But yeah, yeah. When I call the sandwich run, the roll, sandwich roll, I I'm referring to what a lot of people would consider their burger bun. Yeah. And you just shared some great uh, tips and options to use it, which I definitely will be using some of those. But do you have, is there like a favorite or unexpected way that you enjoy that product or even another product? Um. Well, let me give you two. I, I, it's hard to nail down one. And, and like I said, it depends on when you ask me, but... This week, actually, when I was in Chicago, I, I, had, I now have a new favorite. Um, when I was in Chicago this week, I had a fried green tomato sandwich with our sandwich roll. And I had never, I had never even considered 
doing something like that. Usually when people think of a veggie burger, they think of a more traditional veggie burger, a black bean burger, a, a shroom burger, something like that. Um, but this, this, this restaurant did a, a, a fried green tomato with avocado and arugula and like a spicy mayo. And it was phenomenal. That's my new favorite. That's, that sounds uh, delicious. It, it was phenomenal. And then the, maybe the other unusual thing, I, I love to make bread pudding with our, uh, with our bread, either our cinnamon raisin bread, or actually I've used our potato bread in even our whole wheat bread also. Um, I love making um, e- either like an egg casserole with it or like a, a, a French toast with it. I think that's, I mean, a French toast casserole, like a bread pudding. Yeah, bread pudding is actually one of my favorite desserts, so I will be making that soon. Yeah, and you can do all different kinds of sauces with it, a rum sauce. Or yeah. A- vanilla sauce or something. Oh, yummy. I love that. Julie, thank you so much. I'm actually headed to Tulsa, Oklahoma this weekend to visit my father-in-law and we're having a big barbecue for Memorial Memorial Day on Sunday. Um, So you better believe which buns I'll be buying at the store. I hope so. That'll be fantastic. (laughs) Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. I feel like I knew a lot about Martins, but I learned an incredible amount more and I'm super excited for this episode already. Yeah, good. Well, that was, this was fun and I'm, you know, it's always fun chatting with you and thanks for giving us the opportunity to, to share a little bit more about who we are. Awesome. Thanks, Julie. Have a good day and a good weekend. Thanks. You too. Happy, okay. happy Memorial Day. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to this Fifth Wednesday episode. To learn more about Martin's Famous Potato Rolls, visit their website at potatorolls.com or follow them on social media at Potato Rolls. Martin's, we thank you. This episode was produced by me along with Ian Cohen, Sean Petrosian, and Joel Eaton. We'll be back next week with our regularly scheduled episodes. You can find me and keep up to date with this podcast across all social media platforms at On Kathy's Plate or go to beyondtheplatepodcast.com. If you would please rate, review, and or subscribe to this podcast on your listening site of choice, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, whichever. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Plate. I'm Cappy. And remember, there are never too many cooks in the kitchen.